Welcome to the 100 Club Podcast, a show designed to elevate the game of senior living sales and marketing leaders. I'm your co-host, Michael Moy, and with me is Corey Mitchell. We're talking to leaders from all different positions and titles, giving you and your team a competitive edge to reach 100% occupancy. You're listening to season one. Let's get into it. All right. Welcome to the 100 Club Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Mitchell, and alongside me is, as always, Michael Moy. Mike on the mic. Um, And today we have a really special guest. Um, Sometimes we get to interview people that we we don't know that we're meeting for the first time. But today we have the pleasure of interviewing a friend, um, someone that we've known pretty much the whole time we've been in the industry, a entrepreneur in the space. We have Eddie Biggers with us today owner of Where the Heart Is, Senior Living Placement Agency. So uh, welcome to the show, Eddie. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Eddie, it's nice to meet you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. This is, uh, this is a really cool time to be here, man. This is I love watching what you're doing. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. We, we've been talking about getting you on here forever. Now that we have it launched, we've been wanting to talk to you again because you're someone who's in the space that is doing it the right way. You're an entrepreneur. You, you went out on your own. You started your own business. Like, is it surreal for you to sit there and say that out loud? Like you have eight employees Like you started this on your own by yourself. Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's surreal. It's uh, chaotic in a good way. It's stressful. Um, I love it. But it's uh, it's surreal for sure. I mean, it, my wife actually is the one that like got me to do it. She's like, you know what, just just go for it. Just just jump off the cliff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, here we are. It's it's wild. That's awesome. So why don't you share a little bit about what where the heart is uh, for those who might not know exactly what a placement agency is, does, help serve the families, all that. Yeah. Share share a little bit about that. Absolutely. So. You know, we are a full service, hands-on, local, senior living placement agency. So what we do is we help people find the right senior living for their loved ones. So if it's an independent living facility, assisted living, or memory care, um, or even a small personal care home, um, we're basically taking whatever their criteria is and filtering in the appropriate options and filtering out the places that might not be a good fit. And we are lining up the tours with them, going on the tours with them, helping them along the way. And then once they've decided on a place, you know, we're, we're helping them logistically moving in, um, connecting them with resources out there, connecting them with, you know, moving companies, um, home health companies, hospice, whatever it is. And then once they're in, we're in touch with our families. We want to know what their experience is. We want to know, hey, how's mom doing? Um, and, and so where the heart is, we, we've decided a long time ago to be as hands-on in that process as possible. Um, I think that might be one of the things that separates us from, from some of the others is just, you know, not just that we're touring with them, but we're like becoming family in a way because you know the goal is always to it's kind of a cheesy phrase that i use but it's like i want to make sure that our team is leaving people tearfully grateful Mm. so it's like 
so grateful that we helped that they're in tears of relief, you know? Um, so whatever that looks like, if it's, you know, just helping them in, in, in the smallest way, you might think it's huge to them or, or helping them in huge ways. I've physically uh, rented a U-Haul and physically helped somebody move before. So, cool. so if we're talking about hands-on, it's not just touring with them. It's, you know, you, you kind of become a part of their family for that few week period or, and then, and beyond. Yeah. Yeah. So part of the reason why, not only that you're an entrepreneur in senior living and you've grown your company, but being on the placement side of it, you know, I think a lot of placement agencies kind of get a bad rap, but from the sales director's perspective, we see um, local agencies as kind of like this, you know, this grass is greener on the other side and not really behind the curtain of like what you guys really go through with families. And now that I'm on this side of it and being with the customer and going through the tour process, how much work goes into it before they even show up to these, to these communities and the conversations that you're navigating, you know, you're way more involved in the emotional aspect of it and like how lost they are trying to find places and then they have someone like you who knows the area, who knows what the best communities are based off of price and care levels and all the things that are requirements. And you can really get them a list of their best options and what a time saver and relief that is. Not only are you saving them time, but you're a free service to families. So I'm sure in, in, in my experience, it's been overwhelming the amount of sincere happiness and joy that they found your company and that you were able to help them along this process. So it's like, because our, our, most of our listeners are in the sales director seats. And I remember when me and Michael were doing it, you know, after you or any local placement agency would come in and tour, we'd want to know immediately what they thought. I'm curious of what are those conversations like when you are done with the tour, you walk outside, you're talking with the family, like, okay, what'd you guys think about it? You've had so much experience with that. Peel back the curtain for us and kind of give us some insight on your perspective of it. All right. Awesome. Well, first off, you know, I, my goal on the front end before we're touring is I want to make sure that the short list we provide is like really a, what they want. You know, I'm, I'm listening to them and I'm, which is another separator for you, another <laughs> differentiator. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Um, my wife doesn't think I listen, but <laughs> that's a whole different thing. Uh, no, but the, you know, the fact is I'm trying to nail it on the first set of like three places that we go to. So the conversation is never, why would you take me here? I'd, I'd eliminate that possibility before we're even, we're even touring. So some of the conversations are, I liked it, but, you know, let's keep looking. I, I, I didn't really get a good vibe in there. Um, or sometimes it's, I liked it so much, I don't want to go to the next place. And so I have to have that awkward text message to the next place. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're uh, not going anywhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the conversations can run the gambit. It's literally just... A feedback. I want to hear from them what they felt because a part of what I'm doing is also I'm kind of adjusting my places. Like I've been on tours before where the feedback in the parking lot 
was so much not for them. You know, even though I said, I try to nail it on the front end. Sometimes I don't. And they're like, yeah, we, we, I don't think it's a good fit because of X, Y, Z. And then I make an adjustment. And instead of going to the next place that would have been similar to that, I'm making, I'm making the, like the audible at the line of scrimmage and I'm texting the, a different place that not even on our list. And we're going to a new place altogether. So they can run the gamut of that to, you know, the guy Corey in there selling right. is just a goofball or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So you said like the vibe, like, okay, so they come out and they said that they don't have a good vibe of the place, which is like a pretty broad statement, but you can kind of gauge if they're really receptive to the place that they're in or not. So I'm, I'm curious if, are you seeing like a common, like, you know, before that tour is over, if, if they're picking this place for the most, most of the time, uh, I would assume um, I could kind of tell by like the body language and the questions that they're asking. If they're asking like, Hey, how much is it to move in? What's the moving date process? When can we start the paperwork? Pro like they're asking those kind of closing questions. Like they're wanting to know the financials yeah. to make that next step. Yeah. Um, so I'm just curious if there's any like common threads that you're seeing as far as like why certain places don't do as well as others, like something inside the community that families see or, or I, I think, um, it's weird, right? Sometimes it's the time of day that you go. I hate to say that because, you know, we can't sometimes control that and nobody can control that. And I feel bad for the assisted living. Sometimes it just doesn't show well. When you're talking about the vibe. Sometimes it's in a dead period, like two o'clock in the afternoon after everybody's had lunch. So before dinner, go ahead. Yeah. I'll, can I, I apologize? Can I interrupt you on yeah, that? Yeah. So I think that I feel like that's a one tactic or one thing that we can, we can encourage sales directors to, to know exactly the time of day when they need to be showing the community. So I'm curious on, from your perspective, you've been able to do thousands of tours, uh, over across thousands of communities, what are those times that are typically better for families and for communities that better align? Because just backstory here, when I was sitting in the, the seat, I figured, you know, you just do it whenever is best, you know, whenever the family can. Like I was so trying to be over flexible to their schedule, but sometimes it's it's important to be able to show your community when you show it the best. And so how work with that mesh point? I, I got to be honest, there's, and, and it goes back to my first comment, which is there's no way to control that. Okay. Here, here's why. I was, I was trying to find that golden. No, I, well, I, I think there's, a, I think you're onto something because mm -hmm. yeah, I think there could be um, that added question to either a placement agency or the family directly. Like, you know, could you come at four instead? That's when we're doing a happy hour or, you know, could you come at lunchtime? You get to see all the residents and see how independent they are or whatever you want, whatever is your thing. Mm -hmm. The problem is if we're looking at two or three places, two of those places aren't going to get that 12 o'clock tour. They're going to get the two o'clock tour. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, and, and then on top of that, these marketers are getting really busy. This is a great thing. Marketers right now across the board seem to be busier than they've been in a long time. That's great. So because of that, I mean, I'm calling sometimes asking like, when can you tour us? Because they're so booked up that it's like, I might get like a one hour window in the whole day. Mm. Um, 
Well, that's good news. It's good news. I'm, I'm honestly seeing a lot of... Uh, Cheers to that. Cheers to that. <laughs> we are recording this on St. Patrick's Day, so ah, yeah, yeah. we should have started off with this, but cheers, boys. Let's go. Speaking of St. Patrick's Day, um, you can Michael's got the margarita in a can. So that's cool. <laughs> you can also pinch me. So I don't know. There, to me, it's um, across the board, busier. I don't think it's the quote-unquote post-COVID busyness. I don't think it's that. I think... It's a combination maybe of a little bit of that combined with um, just people that went home during the holidays. We always see this every year, you know, like they go home for Christmas and they see the decline of their loved one. And then, you know, they, they really like need to make a move quickly after that. And we're kind of seeing that in January, February, March is the March is kind of the tail end of that. But I think that's. It's probably, like you said, it's a combination of, of things. COVID's kind of getting to a point now where it's, you know, the need is is, is higher. We know more about COVID. It, you know, we're out of that learning phase of it. Um, and seniors are more, I think they're more acceptable to moving into back into a community-based setting. Um, but I'm curious, going back to, you know, you said the sales directors are getting really busy and, um, you know, scheduling and, Anything that you see out there, like, is that a common theme there? It's like, why is it so hard to get a hold of somebody it, to book a tour? It's, um, I, it, yes and no. I mean, I hate to. Some places, I'm yes. Not, yeah. Some places, no. And, and also the ones that are, the answer is no. I, I'm not blaming them. You know, it's weird. I, I don't think that they're intentionally saying, oh, I don't want to move in. I, I don't. Of course. I think, I think they're just that busy. I think they're either that busy or they're not getting the message. Like. There's been times where I've called and left a message for so-and-so to call me back. And then I finally got in touch with that person. And I was like, did you get my messages ever? <laughs> and, and they're like, no, I, I actually haven't. So I don't know if there's something there with like the receptionist or. Would you say it's common though? To, does that happen a lot? Like, because I know you probably, since you've been doing it for so long now, you have so many sales directors, like personal lines to where you can call them directly and cut, cut out kind of that middleman of calling the front desk. But would you say like maybe earlier in your career, like, is that a problem with the industry? No, that you find? Okay. I, 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 I see the, 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 the message could be there. I mean, there is some potential for that being true, but honestly, um, there's always kind of a way to get in touch with them. Right. You know, you emphasize, I mean, I'll be honest, I've driven to the place in person before and said, I've been trying to call you. I'm here. I, like, can we please schedule a tour? You know, sometimes it takes showing sure. up. Um, so I, I think when the answer is sometimes, yes, that could be a problem or a roadblock. I think we, in my position, um, have, have ways around that, you know, either if you have the regional salesperson's number or the, you can ask for the executive director or, you know, showing up, like, I'll just go, I'll just go there sometimes. And, uh, you know, I'm here for the tour. That's fascinating because we walk in. Yeah. Well, the, the, I think the blame gets typically thrown on the sales director for not being able to answer quick enough and everything. And I think I personal side, personal opinion is that it is, it's 50, 50. I think there's, there are a lot of times where, uh, the, the sales director is not communicative enough with a person like you're in your seat or somebody that's 
you know, just inquiring about it. I think getting to the sales director is, is, can be hard, but it's also to your point, I mean, you're, they're busier than ever. And I think that it's like, what else can you do? I mean, if I've got three tours, think about this. Like if you got two tours in one day, those two tours take what, you know, a couple hours each, well, let's say an hour and a half, two really good tours then that's almost half of your day. And then you need to do, do follow up for the other, the pro, other prospects, other things. So I do think that we collectively as an industry need to give maybe sales directors, maybe more to the benefit of the doubt. Uh, absolutely. Um, I, I'll even piggyback off the, that and say that if, if I'm at the point where I don't know them yet and I don't have their cell phone numbers, then they're not like jumping at that referral because they don't really know us yet yeah. or they don't really you know, they might not know the severity or the urgency of that referral. And I'll go even further than that. They might know us and they might say that guy hasn't done a move in here ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I can own that. I can own the fact that I could potentially like, I'll give you an example. Um, with touring thousands or hundreds of places, Mm -hmm. naturally there's going to be some that unfortunately get the brunt end of just the luck of what we bring them. Sometimes we have assisted livings that I'm trying to get them a move in, but the families keep choosing their competitor. (laughs) So that place that keeps getting like the short end of the stick, they're now looking at us like, man, they never have, they've never done a move in with us. But when do you look intrinsically, when do you look internally and say they're choosing a competitor there's got to be some some well some reasons for I, that, right? I I think you know there are some places that are genuinely like good places. That it's just the luck of the draw. It's, it's the feeling that you get when you walk in, or or the the maybe they're out priced by like a little bit, and you know I like to try to spread spread it out. You know, I, I'm not like. You know, obviously we, we have ours that we're, we have really good experiences with and f- great feedback from families. So we like to keep showing those places, but there are some that they might have a new executive director that you really like or, or, mm-hmm. or something new going on with the building and you're really trying to get them a move in. And for whatever reason, they just keep getting passed on. And I, so I'm, I'm only using it's that kind as of the a, uncontrollables, right? I mean, there's maybe nothing you can do about that, but well, you, un, uncontrollable. But the reason why I'm bringing that up is on the other side of that, the marketer seeing that I'm calling and I'm over 11, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if they're excited about going over 12. Yeah. But your job is to get them to just show up for the tour. I mean, you're recommending this place. Once you show up with the tour, like it's out of your hands. You're not like yeah. helping them decide. You're not trying to help them decide right. which community is better. That's you're not right. like influencing their decision. You're literally just showing like you're picking the best places. And then once you show up on the tour, it's up to the salesperson's job or whoever is doing the tour to absolutely. go from there. No, so absolutely. You're absolutely right. But I do want to talk about, you mentioned price and like maybe sometimes they'll choose a place based off of price. Like how much of price is really a determining factor? If you have someone who says, Hey, my budget's around 3,500 to 4,000. You take them to some places that are in that, you know, around 4,000, let's just say just for easy numbers. How much of it is like, hey, if this place is $500 more or $1,000 more over here, how much of that deciding factor is there? Like, is price really, 
like if your competitor is a little bit more expensive than you, are you going to take them there? Or like, you know what I'm saying? Like how much of price is really the determining factor other than what they see on the tour? Like, will they pick a more expensive place based off of what they see inside of the tour? Even if that's, if, if even if they say that originally that may be outside their budget. Yeah, they have, we, we have seen that. We have seen people see the value of that extra 500 or thousand bucks. We've seen that. Um, again, it goes back to sort of the intangibles of the, somebody liking a place. It's just the feeling when you walk in, it's, it's the reason why people buy houses out of their price range. It's the reason why, you know, people splurge on whatever. I mean, I, I'm not going to call it splurging or I'm not comparing it to that, but it's they'll it, on the tour in person, they're seeing the value and they're saying, all right, we can make it work. Um, at, at the same time, we've seen where the two places are very equal, you know, I can aesthetically. Name, well, yeah. Let's just say I'm, I have two places in mind. I'm not going to mention them, but like they're very close to each other. They look similar. They have, you know, similar staffing ratios and all that stuff. Their prices are about $500 off. They're usually going to choose the place that's $500 less. If all things are equal, price definitely factors it in. But if it, if it shows significantly better, if they have a better feeling about it, then yeah, that's when I, I think they, they figure out, okay, we see the value here, you know? Um, so it's kind of hard. It's a, I know that's a vague answer. No, it's a good, no, it's, it answers the question exactly. I mean, you're saying that, yeah, sometimes people do end up paying more when they see the value and they see that the community there can, can take care of the needs that, that, that they have. Um, people, I mean, we know this, people pay more for a better result. So if they think their community is going to give them a better result, they will end up paying more if they can, but on the normal basis of price, like if 3000 is their budget, like how much of that is a factor? And you answered the question, um, but I didn't know if you had a follow-up question to like just the pricing in general or not. But. I'm curious on like, okay, if I'm the salesperson that is selling the $500 more per month community, same amenities, same staffing ratios, how can I figure out a competitive advantage? Because that's, because I could, I could see myself getting irritated, you know, talking to other people about like, oh, they're, they're just choosing for price or, but just making excuses for myself. So what would I, what would your advice be to the person that is selling the $500 per more per month, more community? Like, what do you tell I have two answers. Yeah. Yeah. One of them is kind of hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't be five hundred dollars more. <laughs> Change your price. That, I mean, honestly, like, yeah. If you're a direct competitor, and if you recognize that you're very similar, mm -hmm. and your direct competitor, a mile away or less, is selling it for five hundred dollars less, be willing to lower your rate. Not necessarily across the board, but somebody that's on the fence about price. I I know that there's probably going to be some marketers that are maybe rolling their eyes at that. I, I'll be honest, like, you know, 3000 instead of 3,500, mm -hmm. 3000 is a lot better yeah, yeah. than $0. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so I think it's worth lowering if it's that equal across the board. The other answer to that is just, you know, try to separate 
you know, show off your, your building, show off your people. It, you know, walls don't sell the place, right? It's the people inside it. And it's the, the feeling you get when you're there. It, there's so many factors that could com- give you that competitive advantage. And if you're convicted in what you're selling, then show that off, you know, it, it, at some point it's, you, you don't have to sell it. If you believe it, it's just, they're going to see it and they're going to see that $500 value. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, I would say, so either you have a salesperson in that seat that can, that knows that they're $500 more expensive than the place that you're going to go to or next or the place that you just came from and knows how to sell around that. Like, Hey, we're $500 more for a reason. Here's the reasons why you want to pay $500 more. And you have someone in that seat who can really explain that to the customer. But if you don't have someone in that seat that explains that to the customer, they see they're comparing apples to apples. And now all they see is this community is $500 more than this community. I'm going to get the same result of this community that I would here. So why not just say $500 a month? Well, and, and of course, if they're that competitive with each other, they're going to, you know, they're probably <laughs> going to say something negative about the other place. Oh, they're, they're lowering it for a reason. It's 3000 for a reason. I, you know, I'm, I'm not, it, it, the customer and me has to kind of see past that sometimes mm-hmm. because you have to read that they're just talking about the competitor and they don't want to. Right. Exactly. So you don't want to talk bad about your competitor. Right. But what you can say is like, Hey, I know that, that you, so if you ask them where they toured or if like, Hey, I know down the street, you don't even have to say the competitor's name. Hey, I know down the street, you can get a room, same studio size, very close for $500 less. But here's why you don't want to do that. And you talk about your community and what, value you add you don't ever say anything bad about the competitor of course not that would be a turnoff well i i I think i'm speaking on from my angle you know there's been times where marketers will tell me oh but the other place doesn't do this i'm like well you know i'm in this weird awkward position all the time Mm -hmm. where they don't want their and and i would never share what they've said about the other place right Mm -hmm. but they come to me as and they're confiding in me and i appreciate that actually because they're they're very genuinely convicted in feeling that way about the other place, but you have to see past it as people like in my position, they're never, I've never seen anybody do that on a tour or in front of families. They just kind of do it to us. And they, they try to ups, like they try to give the value to you instead of to well, the customer. It usually happens when I tell them what other places they're considering. It's like, Oh, they're considering that one and they, as if like, they're surprised gotcha. well it's Probably like, like every well, single time and, and then they usually like they almost make it sound like how dare i for bringing them in there it's like yeah. dude you know i just doing my job yeah. I, you know what you know what's well, funny about that six months later they're usually like working at that place because <laughs> because <laughs> they move around so much. I mean, honestly, like, <laughs> how do you even have an honest conversation with that person? Yeah, it's like, all right. Well, remember when you said that? Now you, be- now you do believe in it. That's right. But you bring up a good point of like you you do a competitive analysis. You think you know who your competitors are, but being on this side of it, I've actually realized that like the competitors you think that you have, especially if you're in an in a extremely busy market, you may not realize that a local placement agency may take somebody to your community and then one that's 15 minutes away and then another one that may be 15 minutes away from that one because of different family aspects and where it's location. So your competitive analysis isn't just based off of the 
five mile radius that your community, right, exactly. You're, you're actually taking them to different locations that maybe even expand, you know, a 30 mile, 40 mile radius just because of different family members that are I'm glad you brought that up because there are in my, in our business, you know, we try to play matchmaker to the person sometimes to get a, a true list for them. You know, it's hard to find three or four that are like similar in the same area. So sometimes I'm stretching out their geographic so that we're checking all their boxes. So they really need to consult with someone like, like us to find out, okay, which places are similar to us or just across the board, like North Atlanta, like, there's, there's some in Alpharetta that are very similar to some in like Marietta. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I know that would be, I agree. I, I remember when we would do competitive analysis, they would want us to call the communities to get the information. I would always call it local like, Hey, what, what do you know about this place? What pricing are they have? Like what incentives are they getting? Cause the local referrals, they know everything that's going on at all the communities and what competitors yeah. are really your competitors <laughs> of where they're going to take somebody may be a surprise to you down the road that you didn't that you didn't think was an actual competitor mm-hmm. and, and and they have to be fair they, they we've gotten um we've gotten uh plenty of distraction yeah we, we've gotten plenty of calls you know to do that and and we're glad to help with that um i think the uh thing i was gonna say was uh and there's about to be a party in here but, um <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, yeah, just like what the competitors are and, and pricing. And like, if you have somebody that you take to, let's say your community in this area, you may take them to another assisted living that's 15 minutes away and another one that's 15 minutes from there because you're giving them the best options at that price range, like period, like within a reasonable amount. And for a one community, they may think that their competitor is just the one down the street and the other one down the street, mm-hmm. the closest to assisted livings. But that may not be yeah. the case. And and <laughs> um, again, I, I want to like defend the role of the sales and marketing person because their job is so involved with the community that, especially during COVID, like their their part time activity director, maybe full time activity director, they're move in coordinator. They are sales and marketing, doing tours. Sometimes they're like helping out with caregiving and like, well, doing light things for the residents. So then we're going to add now a more robust competitive analysis to them. So I I get that that would be a little bit of like a cringe, like add on to say, Hey, let's do that. Um, Because they're already overworked with having to do those like tasks that probably weigh them down. Like I, I feel bad for which shout out to Glenn Barclay. I, I don't know why that name yeah. sounded. I don't know if you listened Blake. to the episode that we uh, we had Glenn Barclay, uh, partner CEO of the Blake at QSL Management, and he literally he did a, a analysis on. All right, would it be more beneficial to find a person to do to be like the director of talent acquisition for corporate? Or should we do it for the local teams so that he hired local director of recruitment and retention for each individual uh, community, which is not sales related, but that's just one aspect of him trying to unleash, like take stress away. Cause he's like, if we can just eliminate anxiety from these communities, I feel like 
we can just make them so much more efficient and so much happier. And so he did that. But then what is sales related is moving coordinators, which they have literally specific moving coordinators who, if you were to be talking to, to somebody, they were to move into the community, that would be your point of contact for the rest of the time. And that other person would be able to, to stay selling, stay communicating with the people that are, yeah. So I think shout out to the people that, that, that those are the type of people that I want yeah. to be kind of forward thinking in that. So I love when there are forward thinking, you know, management mm-hmm. to, to be able to recognize the value of the people that are there that are staffed. I mean, mm-hmm. like the sales and marketing person, I don't even really like that title for them. What should it be? Change it right now. <laughs> Just, I, don't, I, I mean, I don't know. But I, 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 I like the title fine, I guess, but it's like they do so much more, right? Yeah. They do they do so much more true. than just sell a building um, in a lot of ways. Once that move-in that they've sold is in, that move-in and their family, a lot of times move in because of that person. There's a differentiator sometimes, and sometimes that's the that's it. Mm-hmm. People that are really good at sales are good at sales for a reason. They get more move-ins for a reason. Well, okay. So they move in because of that one person. So then when they move in, they're that person's go-to. Like you're saying, they need a move-in coordinator. They need somebody that's buffering. That relationship. Protecting. Yeah. yeah um, it's, I was just going to say, it's, it's weird. It's, it's an interesting dynamic, and I'd be interested to hear your take on this. So... What I found to be successful was to be involved with the families very much so. Be like give them the white glove customer service that they need going all the way from from coming to the community to moving in. Like you want to be their resource. I think that's important. But it's also like what you were saying, the director of sales and marketing has so many other positions. And I think it's so critical for them to be able to develop relationships with their care team and with the so like think about the dynamics here care team uh so caregivers lpns nurses their leadership team so maintenance like everybody in the community there should be developing good relationships with but then you take it outside doing relationships with you having relationships with rehabs hospitals all that so like it gives like i'm tired even just talking about it yeah yeah so I think with that type of forward thinking, it does release some of the the onus on them to have to nurture that relationship, but then speak to the difference of when you do a tour and that director, that director of sales and marketing is going around that community and is actually able to call out residents by name, family members by name, care team by name, compared to the ones that are Hey you, hey, how, hey guy, how, how are you doing? Yeah, it's a little, it's a, yeah, I love it. It's, go ahead, I think you're- Well, that, because I'm interested to hear your, your take on that because um, a lot of, a lot of VPs and a lot of regionals and a lot of upper management are, I hear you got to stay in the selling zone. You got to stay in the selling zone. I think that that's bullshit. Really? Do they really <laughs> I think, do I think it? that's bullshit. Dude, what, what are we uh, doing? Yeah. And it's just like, I think that there's inherent importance in following up and in, in, in being in a sales minded state, but it, that's just putting people in a box in my opinion. 
if if you and I, I kind of carry this motto in our business, if you serve and do the right thing and are naturally, you know, um, just if you're if you're genuinely kind to the people around you, as simple as that sounds, the rest falls into place. Mm. You know, if if you're genuine about your approach with people and you're and you're in these assisted livings as a marketer and you get to know the residents and you're and you're a part of the family there and you're bought in, then you don't really have to sell. It goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's not selling when it's when it's when it's when you got something going on, everybody sees it, including, hey Jim, how's your wife? You know, good to see it, you mm-hmm. know. See you at dinner. Yep. Like those relationships that you have in there, it's from just naturally being yourself and genuine to the people there. Mm-hmm. And then you don't have to sell and be in fire sales mode. And like, yeah, I think, I think it just naturally comes when you serve and do the right thing that you're experiencing. And I want to be accessible to you. And just that genuine accessibility and approach, man, Because it helps build trust, right? When you have an executive director, you know, coming out and saying that, it helps build trust. Like, here's my cell phone number before they even decided to move. Like, here's my cell phone number. Look, we may fail, but I promise you that we'll we'll fix it and we won't fail the same thing twice. And, And like, that goes a long way. Right. And by the way, like, I'm not saying in order to be a good assisted living, you have to have an executive director that gives out their cell phone number. Right. Right. I'm just using that as I'm using that as an example because... I know that there's a lot of places out there that you don't want to give out yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, there's some communities that have like 300 residents. Can you imagine that executive director's cell phone number getting smoked? Yeah. So like, I, I would say, um, just that accessibility. So even if it's an email, just respond to it. We, we've had some nightmare situations where new management came in, new staff came in, new executive director came in. Uh, there's a lady that, is emailing the the staff and hasn't gotten a response in like a month. We're gonna, you know, she's moving out. Yeah. So, communication is key, right? Like you're not communicating with the families. That's a big. Oh my god. That's a big uh, reason for people to move out. But, yeah. Um, last topic that I kind of want to dive into is just tell us a little bit about the difference between a company like yours and a national referral agency. Oh yeah. What's the difference between? Why would someone use you instead of using? you know, a place for mom, caring.com, you know, all the national brands so out there. I have a lot of answers to that. Okay. Um, it's the same reason why somebody would rather eat at a local restaurant versus an Applebee's. Sorry, Applebee's, right? Um, it's the same reason why you'd want to get my opinion on something if I'm knowledgeable on that topic versus somebody who is across the country if if i were to ask your opinion of an assisted living in your own backyard well and then i would ask the opinion of an assisted living of somebody who's on a headset in omaha nebraska i'm going to listen to you also (laughs) somebody like us that's a local hands-on version of one of these national companies um they are so hands-off that they aren't really, because they're not with their clients, they're not really able to appropriately find good placement for them. If, if you're just 
taking their information and blasting it to communities, sometimes not even in the area that they're looking in, um, then, okay, uh, you lose that client most of the time. And, you know, we never really lose clients yeah. because we are uh, like adopted into their family. Like we've, we are hand in hand. Um, and I'll speak to the other local agencies. Like they are getting it right a lot of times and they're competitors of mine. They're friends of mine. Um, Thank you for listening to another 100 Club podcast. Due to an, a couple of audio technical difficulties, we had to cut the interview short, but hopefully you were able to gain a lot of insight and wisdom from our friend and colleague, Eddie Biggers. Uh, if you are enjoying any of these episodes, feel free to, to like, subscribe to the podcast, and feel free to share it with anybody. Also, for any feedback um, that you have for us, feel free to email us at 100 Club podcast at gmail.com that's 100 club podcast at gmail.com obviously we are learning a ton in this uh, podcasting journey of ours but we really appreciate all those who are listening and again we we appreciate any type of feedback and are welcome to it so enjoy y'all's day and thank you for listening to the 100 club podcast